Amen. Uh, why don't we give thanks to our team who just worked so hard to provide all of these. This crew is amazing. We are blessed. Hey, uh, we're going to look at the Bible today. I'm going to invite you uh, to look at, uh, open your Bible, if you have one, to 1 Corinthians 10, and we'll start there, and then Joshua 1. So 1 Corinthians 10, Joshua 1, and to help many of us are newer to the Bible, we will have it on the screen, but sometimes it's just nicer if you see it on your lap. Uh, my name is Jose, and I'll be sharing from the Bible this morning, but one thing that we do all the time before you arrive is we always ask God. We, we work really hard and we plan, right? We plan the songs, we plan what we're going to share, we plan what we're going to teach, but there's always things that God is doing that we're unaware of, and so we, we always actively say, Lord, this is your time. We're your people coming under your name. If you have something for us, then we want to hear it, and we want to listen, and we want to obey. So in worship, I had one of those uh, thoughts and ideas. I think it might be from God for someone, and if it's not, that's okay. When in doubt, what we do is we share what we believe in humility, and we test it and to see if it is it. It's for someone specific, um, so I'll just lay it out, and then you just think about it. Um, I feel like when we were worshiping, God in his goodness wanted to remind one person, his name is Derek, uh, so if that's you, you feel free to be nervous, um, uh, that, that song lyric, one by one, chain by chain, is just a reminder that God is faithful, God will do what he will do, just... Just don't stress about growing. God will lovingly grow you as you follow Jesus. Now, if that's, if you say, well, my name is not Derek, but that's for me. Grab it, okay? But sometimes the Lord speaks in ways to people, and we want to humbly say, Lord, um, whatever you have. So, Father, we thank you that you're alive and you're always speaking. You've spoken in your word. We hold fast to it. You alone, Jesus, have the words of life. So now open our eyes and open our ears to hear and see and enjoy all that you're doing in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Today is September 11th, and um, we don't want to look past that. We, we do remember September 11th, 2001, um, when four coordinated attacks ended in 2,996 people losing their lives. None of them would have imagined it would be their final day. And in, in our history, we remember not only what happened, but what that's led to, right? That one event changed travel forever. We're still living in a post-9-11 world, 20 years. So some of you weren't even alive then. But the ripple effect of what happened then is still being felt. It led to wars. It led to conflict. It led to all sorts of talk about security and probing and finding and searching for people before they do evil. We remember that because we still feel its effect. Well, that's a sad moment, but what many of you don't know is that 10 years ago on September 11th, 2011, a group of us, about 100, met in a building not far from here, the Luis Palau Association headquartered building, to pray about planting a new church. That was 10 years ago. And some of you, was anybody there? I was. was anyone, some, some of you were there, and we didn't even know where, we didn't know when, we didn't know that we would change our name three times, we didn't know anything. We didn't know. But a prayer meeting, right, changed the future direction for many of your families. And some of you are here. It's because of that event leads to this event. So whether it's obvious or not, there are events in life that 
change us. Why do I say that? It's because we all are walking through the tail end of a pandemic that has changed life for everyone. It's forever changed work. Remote work was fractional. Remote work is now majority. It's changed the way we shop. Some were resisting online shopping and you realize you would have died if you hadn't bought everything online over the last three years. It's changed the way we interact as humans. It's changed our perception on what it means to be safe. So much has changed. The question is, how do we, as Jesus people, navigate the endless changes that are happening? Some huge, September 11 pandemic, those big points. But you know what? There are hundreds, thousands of micro changes that are happening. How do we respond as Jesus' people? Now, I'll give you the broad answer, and we're going to look at this over the next four weeks. Turning point is an opportunity for us to talk about how we navigate change and transition because God in his goodness has given us examples of people who've done it well and people who've done it poorly. So that's what we want to do. This is going to be helpful and practical. The big picture answer is, as Jesus' people, the way we navigate change is we follow and listen to the God who guides us. You see, we're not alone. I'm never, as a Jesus person, asked to navigate change apart from God. So the big picture view is we look to God, but here's the million-dollar question. Jose, so how do I know what God's thinking? How do I know where God's leading? How do I know and how do I learn to grow in discerning what God is about? This is important, and that's why we're going to look at these turning points. And the goal here is that we would learn these principles from the Bible so that as we walk through series of changes, and we all do all the time, we'll be more grounded in following Jesus, we'll be more secure in our decision-making, and we'll be more ready to obey. So we're going to look at, over the next four weeks, a turning point in the Bible, and we're going to learn. Now you say, well, why, why do that? And this is where 1 Corinthians 10, if you have your Bible, let's just look at the first few verses. 1 Corinthians 10, verses 1 through 6 says, I don't want you to be ignorant of the fact, brothers and sisters, that our ancestors were all, and notice this phrase, under the cloud, and they all passed through the sea. Does anyone know what he's talking about? He's talking about their ancestors in the Bible, Israel, literally walked through God with God's presence for a period of 40 years in the desert and they escaped Egypt by passing through the sea. They were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. They all ate the same spiritual food and drank the same spiritual drink for they drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them and that rock was Christ. Nevertheless, God was not pleased with most of them and their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. We've already done something here. Some of you are acquainted with what happened, and you know what he's talking about. Some of you don't know what happened. So as Paul, who's a Jesus leader in Jesus' church, is sharing, it's hard to get what God is doing if you don't know what God has done. And that's not a point the finger. This is an opportunity to learn today's principle, which I'll get to in just a moment. 
He says, look back at all of those people. And then verse six, now these things occurred as examples to keep us from setting our hearts on evil things as they did. So Paul tells the Jesus people, the church, everything written in the Bible before Jesus is not a throwaway. It's important. It's instructive. And as a matter of fact, everything God did and said, he did not for them only. He did it for you. 2,000 years later, we could say the same thing. Everything God did, he did for our benefit. You don't believe me, just jump down to verse 11. These things happened to them as examples and were written down as warnings for us on whom the culmination of the ages has come. The, the high point of everything God has done is in Jesus. And everyone who's now living after the coming, the death, the resurrection, the ascension, the promise to return of Jesus. We're living in the age that God had been prepared. God is about to make the world new and he's preparing a people to live with him now and live with him forever. And he's saying, ladies and gentlemen, children of all ages, the Bible was written for you. What they went through was written, recorded, kept for you. And this is why it's important for us to look at the transition and changes and narratives of the Bible because it's going to help us. We can learn from what God has done. And so just so you know the basics, the clothes change, the tech changes, the language changes, the names of the people changes, but people are people. People are people in remote parts of the world and in the most sophisticated societies on the planet. In the end, Humanity shares so much common ground. So whenever I look at the Bible, I need to remember these are simply people and God worked in them and God is working in us. I want to learn from God. How do you know what God is thinking? How do you know what God is saying? How do you know where God is guiding? My answer to those questions are you can know you can absolutely know if you respond in the way that God designs. Now, how do I know the way that God's designed for me to know his voice, to hear what he's saying, to do what he says? That's why you should turn to the left in your Bible to Joshua chapter 1. You with me? This is going to be super helpful. And every week we want to press in on one idea. And don't miss one week because this is a chain of events. And as we look at these next four weeks... It's really going to prepare our hearts and our minds for the long series that we're going to do on the person of the Holy Spirit because this is a dead giveaway. If you read your Bible, you already know the Holy Spirit has come so that we can walk with God. The Holy Spirit is here working so that you and I can enjoy Jesus in his fullness. And everything that I need to experience the reality of God in my day to day living has already been provided but I may not be accessing all that God's provided. But before we get to accessing all that God's provided, we need to look at these turning points. All right, uh, Joshua chapter 1, verse 1 and following. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, uh, you and all the people get ready 
to cross the Jordan River into the land I am about to give them, uh, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon, from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country, to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you, nor forsake or abandon you. Be strong and courageous, because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left so that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you'll be prosperous and successful. Haven't I commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you everywhere that you go. That's the word of the Lord. And this gives us a transition. Now, if you're newer to the Bible, this may seem obscure. Let me just catch you up. God has always wanted to be with his people, and he's always wanted his people to follow him. And he goes to a guy named Abraham, like, man, you're, you're, you're committed. You listen and obey. And since you've taken steps to follow me, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to give you, he had no kids, I'm going to give you a, a, a son who's going to have sons, who's going to have sons, and I'm going to increase your family line, and I'm going to establish on the earth this special relationship with your family line because you've trusted me and you followed me. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to let the whole world know that I love this world by loving you, and you're going to be a model to the world what it means to walk with God. And those of you who've read the book of Genesis, you get the actual account how Abraham and Sarah, they move and their family grows and Isaac and Jacob and 12 tribes and they grew to hundreds of thousands of people and then they end up in Egypt where there's a plot twist. They're enslaved for 400 years. They grew so prosperous that the government tried to crush their family line. And for 400 years, they were not living into God's promise. And they probably had their doubts and were wondering, God, when are you going to fulfill your promise? Well, God heard their cry and said, right now, I'm going to deliver you. And God sends Moses, a servant, to not deliver the people. God delivered them. Moses did not deliver Israel. It's a misreading of the Bible. God delivered them, and he happened to use Moses and his brother Aaron. And so God does this, gets them out. And then brings them to a mountain and says, I want to meet with all of my people. You're my people. You're away from your slave drivers. You're free for the first time in 400 years. I want you to enjoy me. Come up and meet with me on the mountain. And everyone in the camp is scared to death. Like, we don't want to meet with God. Like, he's too awesome. Moses, you go meet with God and tell us what he says. And God in his love says, okay, I'd rather meet with all of you. But if you're going to send up Mo, I'll talk with Mo. And so God, on the mountain, read the book of Exodus, gives Moses to the people, this is what I'm like, and here's how you follow me and love one another. 
And I'm going to show you, because I'm going to take you to that land. I, I'm a promise keeper. I will do it. But you know what? How do you live with one another in this brand new land? And how do you, how do you make up for your mistakes? And how do you keep peace when there's turmoil? And, and how do you know you're going to live in a way that's honoring me? I'm not going to be mysterious. I'm actually going to tell you. And so he gives them the Ten Commandments, which is a misnomer because it's not 10, it's 613. And you read the book of Exodus and you realize it's not 10 commandments. The 10 are a framework of relationship. But God in his detailed love gives them 613 specific things that will bring peace with God, the love of God. You know that you're in the right with God and peace and love and joy with one another because we're human, which means we annoy and we hurt one another. There's going to be conflict. It's called family. You get into any home this week and you will see conflict management all week long because for whatever reason, we don't get along and we don't defer to the other and we live selfishly. But God has prepared a way for us to actually work through all of those challenges. And so he gives them the 630 commands and then for 39 more years, they're walking through the desert and they ignore how God said to live. And that's why we read in 1 Corinthians 10, you should know the story. There was evil in their hearts. They didn't listen to God and they didn't listen to his servant Moses and they did their own thing. And how did it go for them? How well did it go for them? And they are human just like us. And so God in his goodness provides a turning point. Moses is now not going to lead them into the land. He's fulfilled his purpose. Now it's going to be uh, Joshua. Two things that we see here in these verses that are going to frame out uh, the main point I want to make today. And write, write this down. This will not be on the screen yet. The two things you need to see here in this promise from God to Joshua is that God's presence is going to be with them. As I was with Moses, Joshua, I will be with you. If you saw how God was with Moses in Exodus, he was like really there. God's presence was so close to Moses as a leader, Joshua needed to know, you don't have to lead these people in your own strength. I'm leading them. You're not in charge. You're my underservant. As I was with Moses, now I'm going to be with you. That's encouraging. And the second thing is God's word is going to guide them. So God's presence and God's word are what are going to give Joshua the confidence to make decisions because living in the desert and living the land is going to be totally different. And I want to suggest to you, because of things like 9-11 and the pandemic, so much of our world has changed that we need to flex and make new decisions based on the current realities. How do you know what to do? God's presence will be with you. And God's word will actually guide your life if you let him. All right, those are just the warm-ups, but there are two principles I do want you to write down that leads to the main idea for today, which is read your Bible. I think you figured that out by now, but let's just throw it out there. Punchline, gone. Now the joke. Read your Bible. Read it. Think about it. Swallow it. Remember it. Bank on it. Trust it. Know it. 
Be confident in it. Don't ignore it. And when you see what's there, submit your life to it. Come under it. Let it guide you. Let it move you. Let it transform you. Let it do its work in you. And God's presence and God's word will guide you wherever you go. All right, two things. Write them down. First thing, God will accomplish his purposes. What Joshua needs to know and what we need to know in any transition that we're going through in life is there's what you're going through and there's how God sees what you're going through. There are two things always going on. There's what you're going through. Think about the challenge you're facing right now. Many of you walked in with deep-seated challenges. You are going through it. You're like, oh my gosh, I got all this pressure. There's all that you're going through. That is real. Don't deny it. Don't ignore it. It's real. It's very real. It's real, real, real. But what's more real is that God sees perspective on what you're going through that you don't see. And God's will, uh, God will accomplish his purposes. There's Joshua's agenda. He now has to lead the people into the land. But there's God's will for the land. And so what God is going to do is he's going to guide his servant to accomplish his purpose. Verse 2, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now you and all the people get ready cross over the Jordan River, go to the land that I'm going to give them. I will give you every place where you set your foot. You read the book of Joshua and realize this is not easy. The rest of Joshua's life is going to be filled with war. It is going to be hard to take this ground. But before God sends Joshua out, He establishes his purposes. Joshua, you need to know, I am working, my people, my land. You have a part to play, but I'm going to do the work. And notice the balance. Joshua is not going to do it. God's going to do it. I will give you the land that I have set apart for you. Yet at the same token, Joshua has an invitation to accept. So it's not let go and let God do Whatever he wants to do, I'm going to go sip a latte. No, there's God, what do you want to do? I want to hear it. I want to know it. I want to think about it. I want to get involved in it. And then God, what is the part you want me to play? This is how we navigate all transitions in life. We seek God. God, what are you doing? God, give me your perspective. God, give me a sense of what you're doing. And then I will do my part. There's a quote uh, by an author Uh, named Henry Blackaby. And when I first started in ministry, I did this Bible study called Experiencing God, and it revolutionized my mindset. Quote, watch and see where God is working and join him in his work. We don't choose what we'll do for God. He invites us to join him where he wants to involve us, end quote. When you think about it, it's like, well, how am I going to know what the will of God is? Just watch. Watch and see what God's doing around you. Watch. Look at where God's put you. Watch. Be aware to where God has you. And then where you see God leaning and stirring you to do something small or big, just jump in. Jump into the thing that God is doing. I love it. We don't choose. Joshua did not choose to lead the people. God chose Joshua. And he invites us to join him where he wants to involve us. God already wants to involve you, friends. By the way, this is not theory. This is already happening. God is already doing his stuff 
not just in ancient Israel and the Middle East. He's doing his stuff here in Hillsborough, in Beaverton, in Portland, in Banks, Forest Grove, wherever you find yourself. He is doing his work, and he is working, and what he wants to do is to invite you to join where he's working, which makes me wonder, like, are we asking? Are, this is what we'll say, how, how do I navigate I want to follow God. I want to follow Jesus, but I don't know what to do. Are we asking? Are we offering ourselves to God and saying, God, I've got plans. I have ideas. I have purposes. I have all this stuff that I'm about. But man, I would really, want, I would really love to know, what do you want? That seems so small, but let me tell you, it is the key to unlocking your understanding of the will of God in your life. Jesus had this beautiful phrase that he told his disciples, and it was so mysterious, but it was so clear. Follow me. He didn't tell Peter he was going to send him to the end of the age and he would die a martyr. You know what he told him? Follow me. Follow me. His word to his disciples was not like, hey, by the way, the world's going to hate you. No, simply follow me. He didn't tell them the future. Some of us are like, if God would just tell me five years from now. If he told you five years from now, you would run to a cave and hide. Or you would mess it up. If it was something so positive, you would totally mess it. Lord, if you want. So we want the details. Lord, Lord who am I going to marry? Lord, is it Intel or Intel? Lord, is it Nike or another thing which doesn't exist? No. It's the swoosh, people. But no, no. What is he saying? He is saying, Follow me. We're caught up in the details. And he's like, will you just follow me? And if you and I would commit to an ongoing, humble following of Jesus in the real world, let me tell you, it would make a huge difference. The first thing that uh, the people need to know and we need to know is God will accomplish his purposes. So I am less concerned about doing results for God. You should be less concerned about doing results for God. You know what I want to do? I want to jump in on what God is doing and leave the results to him. God will establish his purposes. It's not my job to accomplish all of God's purposes. God has his purposes. He's working on his purposes, and he's going to do what he wants to do in this world. Yet, as Jesus' people, we're actually invited to the party, not to be spectators, but to be participants. And so there are things that Jesus wants you to be engaged in that you may not be aware of right now because you're simply not asking, not seeking, not knocking. But what would it look like for us to have an honest turning point of just living the day-to-day, I got school, I got work, I got bills, I got school, I got work, I got bills, I got school, I got work, I got school, I got work, I got school, I got work, I got bills. What if we... What if we got out of that cycle and lived more aware? Lord, it's Monday, tomorrow. I I just want to be about what you're doing. Lord, there are things you want to do in my life today. I want want you to accomplish those. Lord, I want to be aware so that I'm, I'm actively participating. Lord, there may be people that you want me to touch today. Lord, I want to, I want to be up. If there's someone. On Monday, Lord, there's someone at work, there's someone at school, if it's my next-door neighbor, Lord, if it's, if it's someone in our family, Lord, I, I want to be involved in what you're doing today. That is part of the secret. The second thing I want you to see, and this is where we want to land the plane, and we'll pick up on it next week, 
is God's word will guide us. So God will accomplish his purposes. I don't have to worry about that. What I want to do is I want to be like Joshua, who's actually listening. And Joshua hears God's directive. I was with Moses. I'm with you. Take this land. Follow me. And town by town, the rest of Joshua's life is a record of them doing it well and poorly because sometimes they don't listen to God. But here's what we do know as God's people. God's word will guide us. Look at verse 6. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the words. The, the law is not like, like go 55 and a 55. Don't think of laws. Think of laws teaching God's way. God's word. Be careful to obey all the words my servant Moses gave you. Don't turn to the right. Don't turn to the left so that you'll be successful. Keep the book of words. Keep the Bible. I'm going to put it in its fullness. Keep the Bible always on your lips. Say the Bible. Meditate. The word there is the visual of a of a cow chewing again and again and again in multiple stomachs to get everything out of it. Chew the, chew the cut. Chew. Think about it. Don't just read it in glancing. Think about it. Chew on it. Let your mind go to it day and night. When should I read the Bible? Meditate on it day and night. Why? So that you'll be careful to, notice, obey. So it's not just read it or hear it. It's talk about it, read it, think about it, to do something. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. I will be with you wherever you go. We've lived in a season of endless disappointments and endless transitions through an endless cycle of negative news. But God tells Joshua and us how this is going to work out. God's word will guide us. Now let's, let's pull, this is the first part of the Bible. This is Joshua. But we have a lot more than that. There's 66 individual books that make up the Bible. The first part before Jesus, the second part after Jesus. And we know that all of this was written, 1 Corinthians 10. All of it was written because some people responded in a way that was disobedient and it hurt them. And that's not God's heart for you. So you can learn from their mistakes or you could ignore them and, and make the same mistakes. But God's word has been given us. The two things that Israel had, the people, was God's presence in a, in a cloud by day and a fire by night. They had a real tent that God said to erect. And God's presence would come down. And if you see it in its fullness, in the middle of all the tribes that were all around them, in the middle of it, God's presence would come down in a way that everyone in the country knew God is here and God met with his people. When they went out, he went ahead of them. And when they get to the land, God says, I'm going to still be with you. But Joshua, uh, now it's time for you to lead. You have my presence and you have my word. You have my, my, my promise to be there. And you have an accurate description of who I am and what I'm like. And how to live in a way that follows me. Now, this sounds so basic, friends. 
And probably for 80% of you, none of what I just said is new. Like, can you get to a point? And here's the point. If all of this is true, and God's promise is presence, and God's already given us the way to know him, how do you know who Jesus is? How do any of you know anything about Jesus? That's accurate. That's true. If it were not for the Bible, you would have no idea what God is like. Neither would I. But God has chosen, and he did it early in the story. He's chosen to give us himself in written form, in his fullness, in the person of Jesus, God's presence. So we have God's presence and we have God's word. This is what I want to suggest. If we want to navigate any change well, we're going to need to take a learning posture. We're going to need to decide to become lifelong learners of God's word and God's way. We're going to need to invest our energy in growing in our knowledge of God and learning to be discontent with what I know of him. I'll, I'll be honest. I have studied the Bible a lot. I, I will, I'll be obnoxious. I've studied the Bible more than most of you. That sounds obnoxious, but I'll just go out there and say it. I have an undergrad degree in Bible, and I have a master's degree in Bible, and I've read a ton of Bible, and I've read a ton about the Bible by people who've written books about the Bible. We just hit our 500th podcast for this church. So in the last 10 years, there have been 500 messages from the Bible, of which I've preached probably 400 of them. That doesn't count all the preaching before that. Here's my point. I know nothing about the Bible. I'm just getting started. I'm just getting started. And the more I know of God, the less I feel like I know of him. But I'm growing and I'm wanting and I'm searching and I'm seeking. And what we're going to need to do if we're going to navigate change well in any part of life is to become and take the posture of a learner and actively seek the God who's not hard to find. He's discoverable. He's given us himself the question is, are we actually learning? And then we're going to need to take an obedient posture. It's one thing to say, I learned something about God. It's another thing to say, in learning this about him, I'm turning my direction towards him and choosing to follow his way. Now, I've, I've been hopefully vague. And now we get blunt. Read the Bible. If we want to grow as God's people effectively fulfilling God's calling on our lives, our collective calling as a church, and your individual calling as a person, as a member of your family, we are going to have to up the notch in our pursuit of Jesus because God's word to Joshua was, if you want to make it in life, do not let the book of the law Depart from your lips. You need to know it so well because here's what's going to happen in life. It's happening to me every day. It's happening to you every day. You will be tempted moment by moment to dishonor God with your life. And if you don't know what God has said about something, it is easy to go with the flow of what everybody else is doing. If you are not aware of God's heart, if you're not aware of God's grace, if you're not aware of God's mercy, you will live a Jesus life with such weight and guilt, forgetting that Jesus paid it all. 
forgetting that his mercies are new every morning. They're forgetting that as far as the east is from the west, so far as you've removed my sinfulness for him. I'll forget that I'm a new creation in Jesus Christ, that I'm being transformed by the renewing of my mind. I will forget that I am in him and he is in me. I am in crucified with Christ and nevertheless I live. So I'm dead but I'm alive. But the life I live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me. I was just quoting the Bible, by the way. And some of you, I'll just say it, didn't even know all that was in the Bible. So here's what it's going to take. And this sounds huge and daunting, but it's actually not. Can we commit to up the notch of our pursuit of God this year? This is like the beginning of class. You know when you get your syllabus and they lay out? This is like syllabus day. All I'm saying, this year, up the notch. Turn up the heat. I want not to be more religious, not to check boxes, not to impress people. I want God in my life more than last year. Not to earn some status, but to enjoy God. I want him. Now I'm going to give you six bare-bone things that anybody in this room can do. These are not the best. They're not eloquent. They're very dull. But I would suggest if you're stuck, find the one thing on here that you can do and take a step. When it comes to knowing God through the Bible, six things real fast. Number one, stop regularly. This is going to be the hardest one to do. There will be things you will have to stop to make room for for the Bible. You already have schoolwork. That means you're going to have to carve out time to spend in God's presence. You have, you have two kids, which means you have no time. You, um, you're retired, and now you're doing all the things you wanted to do. And, uh, and you, you, I get to do this, I get to do that, I get to do that. Well, that means still holding on to the so What do you need to stop in life just to pause so that the book of the law, God's word, will grow in you? What do you got to cut to make room for God? Some of people say, well, I don't want to cut anything. Then you will not know God more closely. If you do not stop something, you can't make space. Second thing, put things away. Take your phone and smash it. Actually, don't do that. But you have to turn it off. If I want time with God, I must intentionally put away distractions. Do not try to have time with God with your kids eating at the table. It will not bear any fruit. But if you commit to get up 15 minutes before they get up, to open the Bible and read one verse and read it 10 times and just think about it for a few few minutes, that will grow your encounter with God. Put things away. Third thing, open the Bible. Um, most of us are reading books. Can I just ask you this? Is one of them the Bible? Well, it's kind of boring. I admit, a lot of it is boring until you encounter God in it. And when it becomes alive to you, and suddenly that thought begins to transform the way I think, it becomes addictive. And I want a word from God. Don't you want to know him? Well, it's there. 
but some of us don't access it. So open the Bible. Um, can I encourage you? Read the New Living Translation. It's the easiest translation to read. Read it. Um, in your app, if you get the Bible app, you have every translation for free. It used to be you had to pay. Now it's all free. If you don't know what to do, you can listen to one Bible verse a day on the Uversion app, and someone can present that word to you in video form. Well, you say, well, I'm, that may impact my social feeds. I may not have time to do Wordle. <laughs> I, I'm not going to mock you, but if you're struggling in your depth of enjoying God, and you're spending five minutes to figure out your Wordle, I know why you're struggling in your walk with God. Now, I do both, okay? And it's possible to enjoy both, but when in doubt, we need to choose the Bible and, and put other books as secondary. Uh, fourth thing, write things down. If something strikes you, write it down. If one word comes alive, write it down. If it makes you think about something in your life, write it down. Here's why. There will be days when there's nothing coming in your Bible reading you can refer back to two weeks ago and remind yourself of what God has said. It doesn't have to be like, oh, I didn't get a thought for today. Well, what was yesterday's thought? Yesterday's thought may be good enough for today. And by the way, you probably didn't act out on yesterday's thought. So maybe God's saying, I want to shut up for a bit till you actually do what I told you yesterday. Maybe that's how God works. I don't know. The fifth thing, think about God. The reason I encounter the Bible is it because it sets my thoughts Godward? And one of the reasons we do community groups, by the way, the secret behind it, is you hear a message, which is about God, and then you wait to, you meet, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Saturday, whenever you meet, and between that time, you can think about what you heard and process it, and then you can talk with other people because we want to get in the habit of thinking about God regularly if all you get in spiritual input is a 30 to 40 minute message on a Sunday. Let me tell you, do that with food this week. I dare you. Eat Sunday morning only and don't eat till the following Sunday. And what you'll find is starvation will come by Sunday evening. You will be, so we don't think of our spiritual lives. Now you say, what does this have to do with turning point? If we're gonna get anything in growth with God, it starts somewhere. And it starts with honoring God by honoring his word. And finally, and this may be helpful to you, may not be, if not, no worries, let the Bible guide your prayers. I'll give you my habit. I don't pray first. I read the Bible first. Here's why. I don't know what to pray. I don't want to do the, Lord, here's my list of things I need. You know, God, give me what I want. God, give me what I want. God, give me what I want. God, if people are against me, squash them. You know, that, that doesn't, that's not very helpful. So what I do as I read my daily reading and I have a plan to read the Bible, because if you don't have a plan, if you don't have an exercise plan, you won't exercise well. But if you have an exercise plan, you could fit the plan. I read a Bible plan to keep my mind saturated on the Bible and various parts of the Bible. I read it first, and as I'm reading, it guides my prayers. When I see what God has done, it gives me praise in my soul. When I see a convicting word, it convicts me. And I stop and I say, oh God, thank you that you've reminded me that if then, and I, I, I have fallen short again, God of grace and mercy, 
rescue me. You know, so, so I would say read a little bit and then let it guide your prayer life. Um, God's two promises. God said, I'll be with you and I'll show who I am by your word. So the question is, are we going to long for his presence? Are we going to honor God by reading his word regularly, talking about his word so that we could do his word? Uh, this, my friends, is the turning point. Uh, next week, I want you to come back because we want to see what happens when a group of people choose to ignore what God has said. And it will be telling. And it will remind us that if we don't seek, we won't find. And if we do our own thing instead of Jesus' thing, we may find ourselves in a place that we regret. But God, who's full of mercy, will call us back to follow him. All right, how do we shift and respond? Uh, you may have heard something that was convicting this morning. I want you to use these moments of these songs as an opportunity to receive grace and mercy. God's not here to squash anyone. He loves every one of you. And he sent his spirit to remind you that God sent his son Jesus to save. And so if you're going through anything, you're only a step away from receiving God's grace and mercy. I invite you as we sing these songs, as we open the prayer area, if you need to respond by saying, you know what, I'm just going to pray with someone about this, do that. We're going to take the bread and the cup in a minute. We're going to receive the body and the blood because by Jesus' merciful gift of himself, we could be set free. We're going to give because Jesus said, give and it'll be given to you, pressed down, shaken together, running over. God will provide for our needs as we take care of his kingdom work. It's what he said. We want to live that way. Will we be a people? who pursues. I'm going to invite you to stand if you would. I'm going to invite you to stand. I'm going to ask God to now shape our response. If you're the person that I spoke to earlier, maybe that's you. Maybe, maybe the name was off, but that was like speaking to you. Do me a favor, friend. Just go to the back. Let our prayer team pray for you. If you need prayer for anything, we want to pray for you. God of mercy and love, we thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ. And Jesus, we thank you for coming and living the life we could not live perfectly, for dying on a cross and rising again to pay for our sin debt in full. Today, Jesus, we receive grace and mercy by putting our trust in you, King Jesus. Now, Lord, prepare our hearts and minds as we step out of this place and into the world that you've placed us in because, Lord, we want to live lives that are pleasing to you. We want to be like Joshua, and fulfill our calling in our lifetime. But we don't know how to do it. So Lord, help us to keep the book of the law on our heart and mind so that we're careful to live in it. And in that way, honor you. We pray these things because of Jesus Christ. And in, in your name we pray. Everybody said, amen.